Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode two of Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I am your host, Rick Verbonis, and I am joined by my partner, Bob Lucius. Bob, how are you doing today? Man, it's another great day. Another great day. Let's get to it. Yeah, so today we're actually going to dive into some a couple of comic books that we want to talk about with uh, reintroducing Steve Rogers and, well, let's say reintroducing Captain America and in reintroducing Steve Rogers into the uh, Marvel Universe um, back in 1963 and 1964, respectively. So today we'll talk about Strange Tales, number 114, and Avengers number four. And I I pause on that Strange Tales because, (laughs) Bob, I don't know if you know, but the last episode, I kept referring to this as Strange Adventures that's right, 114. That's right. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's, it's understandable because uh, it's quite an adventure. So uh, I didn't fault you for that. It's a great book. It's a great tale. And uh, really, it's, uh, it's, it's really the beginning of a brand new era. So let's, let's start there, right? Let's start with Strange Tales 114, which was, um, had a, a cover date of November 1963. And it was written by Stan Lee and drawn by Jack Kirby and inked by his longtime partner, Dick Ayers, and lettered by Sam Rosen. So uh, this, this was a, uh, a two-part series that starred Human Torch in one story and Doctor Strange in another story. And so that... Um, that's kind of a, they did a lot of books like that back then. So in this one, if you're looking at the cover, uh, it is the Human Torch throwing one of his patented fireballs at Captain America. And so if you are uh, in 1963 and you see this, you're like, Captain America, I remember him. And sure enough, in big, bold, starburst on on the cover it says from out of the golden age of comics i and i love the fact that in 1963 they're referring to it as the golden age but anyway yeah uh out of the golden age of comics into the marvel age captain america returns to challenge the human torch you know there's a little word balloon on there uh i miss the word balloons i don't know about you yeah yeah I miss the word balloons and the thought balloons on covers. But Human Torch says, impossible though it seems, one of the most fabulous superheroes of the past is now my enemy. And then a little note at the bottom, see the torch soar to new heights of greatness. So they're already, they're already like kind of putting this Captain America character up on a pedestal, right? I mean, it's, you know, uh, huge, huge deal. And, and, and he's one of the most fabulous superheroes, right? So on the splash page, you've got uh, the Human Torch meets Captain America. Please don't reveal the surprise ending of this tale. I preface this. I'm going to take a little pause here. I preface this by saying Captain America was, was co-created by Jack Kirby. Stan Lee, I, I, I believe one of Stan Lee's first scripts comic scripts ever published was in Captain America comics. So both of these guys have an affinity for this character, right? They, they already like this character. Um, and so I think, I think they really want to bring this character back. And uh, maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know the story. Maybe it's written out there and someone could tell us, but you know, maybe the, 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 the publisher or whomever said, I don't know. You got to convince us on that. So this is a a story to to convince people to bring Captain America the character back. You know what's what's great here, uh, Rick is, uh, you know, it's it's only been nine years since Cap was uh, last featured in uh, in comics, right? I mean, so right. uh, but that's a that's a that's a lifetime, right, for uh, comic book readers, right? Nine years. I mean, that's yeah. That's your entire childhood, right? So essentially, a whole generation of uh, of children that uh, grew up reading comic books weren't exposed to Cap. So uh, it might as well have been forty years, right? I mean, looking back <laughs> on the Golden Age. So this right. really is a big deal when uh, Cap shows up on uh, on the cover of Strange Tales. Yeah, and and you know they throughout the story they they kind of 
talk about that and mention that, right? That it's been such a long time. Um, but, but, and you say nine years, right? Because that was the last time that uh, Captain America, uh, I want to say 78, was published, right? In September of 1954. And so, yes, it has, it has only been that. But hasn't it really been longer? We'll find out in Avengers 4. But... <laughs> So, so this strange tale starts off with Johnny Storm. He, he's, he's out in the street practicing, doing his daily practicing. And uh, he's there with his, his older sister. And these teens come rushing up and they basically say, Johnny, Johnny, you, 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 guess what? Captain America is going to be pairing at this vintage car show. Because, you know, he's been gone for all this time. <laughs> he, he's, well, what better place for him to just make appearance is at a vintage car show? Well, I'll tell you what, when I was a kid, Rick, I went to see Batman and Robin, you know, at, uh, at a car show. So, uh, you know, straight off TV, right at the car show. So it makes sense. Yeah. So, so Johnny Storm goes, and uh, as he's there, these, uh, these couple of crooks come busting in, and they steal the, the gate money, and they, they're driving off, right? So, so Johnny comes after him and out of nowhere, and this is a nice half page splash by, by Jack Kirby, right? Out of nowhere, you've got Captain America and he's, and he's wearing, he's wearing red, red shorts over top of his, over his costume, which throughout this entire thing, he's wearing red shorts. Now I will say, I digress, I'm sorry, but if you go back to the cover, he's not, right? He's not wearing red shorts, but if you look closely, they're kind of purple. They're kind of purple on the cover. Right. I'm thinking it was red to begin with, and someone said, no, 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 Captain America wears blue shorts. So they went and they colored it in, and uh, it's definitely a different shade. So it uh, looks like it was maybe formerly red on the cover. But anyway, so he comes in, Cap comes in, and he says, one side, Sonny, I'll handle this. So they're already setting up that he's older right? He hasn't been around for a while. So he's, he's, he's mentioning to the youth, Sonny. Um, and then he, he goes and he, he jumps onto the car of the crooks and he's uh, about to, to stop them. But, but Johnny Storm goes and he melts the paveway and the car gets stopped. And, and this, this upsets Captain America, right? He, he's like, hey, beat it, you flaming freak. Uh, look how messy you made everything. If I need any help, I'd, I'd ask you for it. And he, and he slings some of the mud, but then next thing you know, the human torch says, you know, he, he's, he's a teenager, right? So he's like, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm, you want to fight? I'll fight you. And he, and he goes and he flings some firebombs at him. And, uh, and then he decides to leave. Um, so he goes back to his, his, uh, his place and, um, and there's his girlfriend. And his girlfriend is just looking at some Captain America comic books. And she's like, Here's, he's my idea of a real man, handsome, modest, strong. Ah, sigh, I wonder who he really is. So, so Johnny's already kind of getting a little jealous here, right? So he gets a little mad. He, uh, he can't, can't keep the flames back. So next thing you know, he, he, he leaves and um, after causing a little problem. And as he's flying away, he says, but I still wish I knew where he came from and why he waited so many years to show up again. Hmm. Foreshadowing. Yeah, foreshadowing there. So then you see Captain America. He's out and about. He's going rooftop to rooftop, and he's swinging, and he's, he's going on flagpoles and uh, going on tightropes. So he's, he's definitely a, a very acrobatic uh, type of character. Then he gets to the prison, and he busts the two guys out because, you know, they're already in prison. And so they get out, and you, so the, the reader's left wondering, well, what's going on here? Like, you know, why would Captain America do this? He's supposed to be a hero. And so next thing you know, uh, the, they're, the, the two crooks are driving away and Johnny Storm comes after him and, and uh, captures them and he forces them to talk. And, you know, Johnny Storm wasn't part of the plan, right? So the crooks are like, hey, this is way more than I'd bargain for. And, and they, they tell him, they said, look, Captain, that's not really Cap, you know, he's, he's somebody else impostering him and um, uh, he's, he's supposed to be robbing a bank right now. So Johnny runs or flies over to the, to the bank and sure enough, there's Cap. He's got the loot 
and then he, he, he hits a little remote and he's flying up into uh, this little trapeze up into the air into, Bob, get this, into a some sort of helicopter uh, heli device floating pad rocket. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, these crooks, <laughs> these crooks, they, they have this kind of money and know-how, right? right. Um, and, I, and, and again, I'm going to digress a little bit here. Years, 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 years later, I don't know, maybe 2000, early 2000, mid 2000, something like that. Um, there was a, a story uh, that I guess the, the, the Marvel writers got together and said, we got to explain how these guys get all this stuff. You know, I don't know. Was that secret war? I, I don't remember. I don't remember the story, but they basically were like that. These, these crooks were all being funded by a master criminal. And that's how over the years, they've always had these fancy goods. Anyway. So human torch uh, blasts uh, the, the thing, the rocket uh, cap jumps out, parachute, they land, they fight cap very conveniently goes into a sporting goods store. Now, when he's in there, he, he immediately grabs the, uh, the, the mop and bucket from the cleaning guy, and he soaks the mop really wet, right? And he gets one of the, uh, the bows, because, you know, he's in a sporting goods store, and he gets one of the bows, puts the mop on it as an arrow, shoots it at the incoming human torch, who soaks him just enough that he can't, he can't redo his flames, and then uh, the cap goes ahead and he puts these handcuffs on him. So Johnny Storm, he's soaked. He can't, he can't reignite his flame. So the, the, the cleaning guy he brings over all these different heating devices and then sure enough, Human Torch escapes. He's chasing after this imposter Cap. And uh, so the Captain America, as he's behind the wheel of this truck, he says, he's coming after me again, just as I knew he would. Good thing I had time to steal this special type of truck. Of course, right? This special type of truck. So uh, he then tricks the Human Torch to going into the truck and um, he thinks that he's, he's done. He's saved. But there's three panels left on the page. So of course, the Human Torch will bust out of this. So Johnny says, <clears throat> while he's inside this truck, he outsmarted me again. It's an asbestos line truck. <laughs> of course, asbestos, right? Because back then it was a miracle fabric. Of course. Yeah. Yes. And but I'm not quitting now. The last trick will still be mine. Captain America forgot one thing. In an enclosed area like this, the flame energy is turned into gas. And gas forming a compression in such an airtight space must find some way to expand. And of course, the only the only way for gas to expand is by causing an explosion, power enough to sh to uh, shatter a lock. So thank you, Stanley, for that little science. It's, yeah, you know, it's, people thought at the time that comics weren't educational, but they were. You know what? Part of me, part of me, when I was reading this, was like, was this their way of saying, you know, hey, we're going to throw in some stuff here so that you know the kids reading comics in this in the early '60s could be like, no, mom. Look, I'm learning something. <laughs> That's right. So then Human Torch, he, he captures the fake Captain America. He pulls off his mask and he reveals that it's actually the acrobat with his mustache shaved off, which was uh, last seen in Strange Tales 106. So this story ends, the last three panels, and I, I, I need to read these. <clears throat> so reaching his home, Johnny pours through his prized collection of old comic mags until, and then he says, here it is, one of the earliest Captain America mags. Boy, I sure dug this guy the most. I remember how he used to secretly change from Army Private Steve Rogers to the great Captain America. Sigh. And then the thought bubble. Wonder whatever did become of him. Is he still alive? Will he ever return? I'd sure like to know. You guessed it. This story was really a test to see if you too would like Captain America to return. As usual, your letters will give us the answer. 
so that that that's your strange tales 114 bob what's your what's your immediate thoughts on this man you know i love this book uh not only do i love the cover it's it's one of the ones i like most to display around uh, around my house in my office because uh, it is just such an iconic cover but uh you know the story it, it, you know i it takes me back to being you know 10 11 12 years old this is the sort of comic book story that really reaches out and grabs a, a young person's imagination. I mean, it, it was great. It's hokey, you know, reading it as a 53 year old. Yeah, there's a lot of hokiness, but it's just, it's <laughs> yeah. just classic Silver Age uh, writing, you know, and, uh, and it's just great. And, you know, I'm sure you know this, but uh, in, uh, in, in, in a later book, back up, I think around September 1999, in the Captain America Sentinel Liberty series, there's a sequel to this where the Human Torch is explaining to Steve Rogers, Captain America, what took place in this story. And so there's a lot of extra detail and embellishments. And at the end of that story, together, they capture the acrobat who was once again in, in, in the process of robbing a bank. And Cap gets to confront the guy who tried to impersonate him. And he's incredulous that, that Johnny ever thought this could possibly be him. You know, it's just ludicrous <laughs> to him. But uh, right. it was just, it's great, man. It's a great, great story. Right. I agree. I had a lot of fun rereading this again. And, you know, and I, and maybe it's the marketing guy in me, but I, I read the little cues throughout the story uh, where they, you know, they're, they're, they're really placing Cap on a pedestal, right? They're really trying to, to, you know, his girlfriend really likes him. And he, at the end, loves the magazine. You know, he's a super guy. They even, you know, even say at the end, right, um, what was it, that to see if you too would like Captain America to return. So it's Johnny wants him to return. Do Your you? Certainly yeah, does. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, <laughs> you want him to return? Do you want to be like Johnny and Doris? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of fun. And again, I, and I don't blame them. I mean, you know, if I was Jack and Stan at the time, I, and I'm looking for fresh ideas, uh, you know, I would want to, to go back and, and, and do this as well. So, so that brings us to our next, our next issue we're going to cover, right, is Avengers yeah. number four. So this one, um, you know, took me back as well, right? Avengers four, which, oh, this came out March of 1964. Am I yeah. getting that right? Yeah, just a few months later. Yeah. So uh, obviously the letters you know, came pouring in. So they wanted to uh, to bring him back and uh, bring him into their number one group, the Avengers. So let's uh, let's take a look at that. Right. So this was written by Stan Lee and, and illustrated by Jack Kirby once again. So, uh, you know, this this duo uh, is responsible for so many great stories and, and characters. Um, so on the cover here iconic cover right is is big jack kirby bold style is is cap is is uh leaping out uh you know leading the avengers like already just from the cover is showing his command and um uh the avengers following him um it it is interesting that uh the the shield you know has has four stripes to it has some blue in it um and this this is kind of inconsistent throughout the issue you're going to see uh sometimes where there's some blue sometimes where there's not um in some cases it maybe looks like there's a fifth ring to it so you know some some inconsistencies but you know what they were pumping these issues out so quickly back then and and jack being on so many comics um you know they didn't have time to 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 have as much uh continuity and consistency as, as they do nowadays yeah, you know, I, you know, it's interesting. I've, uh, you know, I've read about all kinds of inconsistency in uniforms. You know, even in some of the early Golden Age books. And uh, you know, it's uh, we we look at these characters, and you know, we look for every possible little detail and where there's an inconsistency. You know, we're we're huge fans, but uh, I, you know, a lot of the creative talent along the way, as you said, they were pumping out you know dozens of books, you know, and stories, and uh, they may not have been necessarily as wedded to uh to the attention to detail that uh, that we take for granted among uh, among the fan base yep so so certainly we'll keep that in the back of our minds as we're, as we're reading this and try not to be overly critical 
um, because it, it is uh, an iconic uh, issue for sure. So the, the splash page, um, again, grabbing, grabbing people's attention and, and letting them know just how important this character is. I have, to, I have to read this. So Captain America joins the Avengers, a tale destined to become a magnificent milestone in the Marvel Age of Comics, bringing you the great superhero, which your wonderful avalanche of fan mail demanded. And then I, I love here at the bottom, editor's note. Right, yeah. We sincerely suggest you save this issue. We feel you will treasure it in, in time to come. Now, what comic book fan has not wished for a time machine, right? <laughs> right. What, what comic book fan does it like, if I had a time machine, I would go back and I would get all these issues that I never had or I'd get you know, multiple copies. I'd be a millionaire. Um, but yeah, if, if, you know, congrats to all those that uh, read this issue and saved it like the editor suggested. Yeah. He did that advice. I tell you, this guy right here, because I was, uh, I was uh, driving up north here this morning for an appointment. And I got to tell you, I was, I was thinking in my car. I was actually imagining what I would have done if I could have gone back in time bought, you know, a couple copies of this issue off the rack. How, how would I have stored them? Where would I have put them so that 53-year-old me could go unearth them and get this book? Because I know you have one, and I know a lot of folks have one, but this is a grail to a lot of folks, including me. So it's, uh, the editor was spot on. Yeah, yep. And uh, yeah, absolutely, it is a grail. And, and I was lucky enough to get this a couple of years ago, um, after, you know, after decades and decades of, of wanting one um you know it's it's no it's low grade but i don't care it's mine and uh i I certainly value it so so getting back to the splash page um the the other thing they put here is the mighty marvel comic group is proud to announce that jack kirby drew the original captain america during the golden age of comics and now he draws it again also stan lee's first script during those fabled days was captain america and now he authors it again. Thus, the chronicle of Comicdom turns full circle, reaching a new pinnacle of greatness. So there you have it. They, uh, they are recognizing, um, you know, the, the partly creators of, of Captain America, because we don't want to leave out Joe Simon, no, but part of the creators of, of uh, the character and, and bringing it forward. So I think, I think they're also trying to establish, um, you know, why they have this character, why, why they are bringing him back. Uh, so it was interesting. So let's, let's go through the issue, okay? Let's, yeah. uh, let's, let's take a look. So it starts with the Avengers, um, kind of a recap, uh, showing a battle with Namor, uh, Submariner, and uh, they were battling him last issue after the Hulk vanished. Um, so uh, Submariner retreats. He lost. He ends up uh, just just so upset that he he just he distanced himself just. And, and spends hours traveling and he finds himself uh, in the north and he comes across a, a village of Eskimos who are uh, praying this to this figure that is trapped in ice. And uh, Submariner, you know, because he's still angry and when is he not angry? Uh, he, he goes and he, he takes the, the, the figure and he uh, hurls it into the ocean and he goes in a little uh, anger spree and breaks up things. And so the next thing you know, this, this figure is um, floating and, and finds itself into the Gulf Stream. And next thing you know, uh, the Avengers who are in their handy dandy submarine, I, I suppose they're out there looking for the submariner. I don't know. It's not explained. But uh, they come across him and they grab him and they pull him in. And sure enough, uh, he, and we're only on page four. Uh, Boom! It's Captain America, and they 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 uh, reveal uh, underneath his costume or underneath these tatters that he's he's there uh, with his shield, and so um, they they realize that he's not dead; he's breathing. And Cap wakes up, and the first thing he yells is, "Bucky, Bucky, look out!" 
and you can't kill him. You can't kill Bucky. I won't let you. I'll smash you all. And the next thing you know, he's 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 fighting the Avengers because um, he's kind of coming out of this coma, if you will. And uh, and then he, he comes to his senses. He realizes that um, that uh, Bucky's dead, and and he wants to know where he is. You know, how do how do I get here? Who are you? And um, so Iron Man asks, "Well, we're about to ask you." And he says, "Who who am I?" For a moment, I had f- almost forgotten myself but I'm not lucky enough to forget forever, to forget that I was once the man the world called Captain America. So I found that, I don't know about you, Bob, I found that a little interesting. Like no one told him what year it was. No one told him he was out of time. So I don't know why he's referring to him as the man that once was called Captain America. I, I, That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, anyway, next, next uh, page, uh, the, the Avengers don't seem to believe this. And he's like, well, go ahead and test me. And so they, they start to grapple and uh, Captain America showing off his, his abilities. And um, so they, they believe him, right? Because, um, the, but they, but they, they want to know why haven't, why hasn't he aged? And so they, they want to get uh, an explanation. And so now here we are on page seven and we get into retcon. Right. So this is when I guess Stan Lee, maybe Jack Kirby decided we're going to change the fact that Captain America was uh, last seen in 1954 and instead say he was last seen in 1945 at the end of the war. So Captain America starts to explain via a flashback that uh, he and uh, Bucky, who were on a motorcycle chasing this experimental um, uh, drone plane, uh, and they chase after it. Bucky grabs on. He's trying to defuse it. Steve falls off, and Bucky uh, explodes in with the plane, and, um, and, he, and he goes into the ocean, which is the last thing he remembers. The, uh, the Avengers believe him. And they're coming back to New York, and they can't wait to to let everybody know uh, what's happening. So the the press is there waiting, and uh, the so the Avengers get out first, right? Because they want to kind of explain everything before they just throw Captain America out to the public. But the next thing you know, uh, there's a flash, and the the bodies are replaced with these these statues, and so the uh, the the photographers and news people, they're all like, ah, what happened? I don't know. Let's go. So they leave. And then Cap finally comes out and he's like, hey, where'd everybody go? And uh, he sees the statues. He's like, well, that's kind of odd. And he starts to to wander the streets and he starts to see that he is in a different time. And uh, he's noticing the different clothes, different hairstyles. And he's really at this point becoming that man out of time, right? This is this is the very first time that we witness uh, Cap being that that iconic story that that has been going on ever since. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, you're absolutely right. And that that uh, that that last uh, the panel in the lower left of uh, page nine of him uh, sort of looking up at the UN. You know, uh, that's that's like a that's a crazy crazy scene. And, and of course, you know, we've seen it in the almost in the, in the cinematic universe when, uh, when Cap wakes up in the films and he's out in Times Square and uh, taken directly from, from that panel because that is the man waking up to see a world that is different than the one he, uh, than he left behind. Yeah, and, and, and as we go along, we're seeing different people recognize him. They're like, oh, I recognize him, you know, back when I was a kid or my father told me about him and, oh, I can't believe it's you and people are getting sentimental. And so they're, they're building up uh, the fact that Captain America is this, this really big deal. So Cap then, um, uh, this police officer directs Captain America to a nearby hotel. He, he sees television. He's, uh, he, he decides to, to take a, a rest. He's tired. He drifts off. And next thing you know, he wakes up and he sees this young lad walking toward him. And he's like, Bucky, it's you. You've come back, Bucky. You've come back. And it's not Bucky. Uh, it's Rick Jones, right? 
And uh, apparently Rick Jones is not only the partner of the Incredible Hulk, but he's a master uh, pick uh, lock because he just somehow managed to get into Steve's room. Um, but uh, so Steve and, and Rick start talking and, and uh, Rick is accusing him of doing something with the Avengers. Um, but Steve says, okay, well, let's, let's, let's go, let's go find them. And, um, enlist the aid of the teen brigade, right? Yeah. Uh, gotta love, love the teen brigade. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That was another, and again, this is the marketing guy. I mean, sorry, everybody. Uh, but this is another way of trying to get, you know, the, the teenagers of the time to feel like, you know, they're part of the story and to, to pull them in. It was a brilliant way to, to, to get more readers, yeah, but, yeah. um, but, you know, that's a throwback, too, to, right, to, to Bucky and the Sentinels of Liberty, the young allies, and, uh, and the call that uh, at that time, Timely put out for, for young men and women, young boys and girls, to, uh, to, to do their part. So I, I wonder if that was an intentional callback to, uh, to that earlier time. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a good point. I, I know back then Jack Kirby and Joe Simon did other things like the Newsboy Legion mm -hmm. and things like that. So, yeah. Very, very well could be a, a, a kind of a callback to that. So Cap somehow, after doing a search, comes across uh, this particular character that they saw in a photo that they think caused the uh, Avengers to turn to statue. So he busts in, he, he, he fights uh, the goons, he gets through them. They're all marveled by his ability and, uh, you know, his, his fighting prowess and um, agility. And he, he eventually gets to the, the, the ringleader. And as he's talking to him, he realizes, he pulls off his mask, he's an alien. Of course, it's an alien. So the, the, his, the goons all run off. They had no idea they were working for an alien. And so then we get the backstory of the alien who says that many years ago, his ship uh, crash landed and he uh, into the ocean. I guess I you could- he was just traveling and his, his uh, yeah, spaceship broke down and landed here, right? He's been trying to get help ever since. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he has this uh, freeze ray that turns people into statues for uh, 100 Earth hours. Um, and because of his crazy hair, Cap's like, oh, people must have thought you were Medusa and, and bring that lure in. So another lesson another lesson to tell mom that you learned a little bit of greek and roman mythology from your comics exactly yeah. uh the the alien then goes on to say that um he was uh why he used his power against the avengers was because the one who calls himself submariner he found me some days ago told me he would free my ship from the ocean's depth if i would turn the avengers to stone i i, I had to do it and I found this interesting. Ready? Submariner, Cap says. I seem to remember that name from the dim past. Yeah. But time enough for that later. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, uh, I, that, that always strikes me when I get to that panel as well, right? Because there's, there's a lot of history there uh, for Cap. And, uh, of course, we won't get to a lot of that history until later on in the series and subsequent volumes where they'll further explore that relationship. But, uh but it leaves one wondering, like, why, why, we know why Submariner doesn't, they've, they've sort of addressed that question, what happened to him and his memories, but why doesn't Cap remember? Uh, and I think life? they address this later on. I they think do. They, they do say that uh, because he was coming out of that coma, he was having some problems with memory. Right. Yeah. But, but at least they do say he remembers that name somehow. But you know what, Bob, that I also find in this one panel, right? Where Cap's grabbing the alien and says, come on. Um, he says, you know, uh, first, you must bring the Avengers back to life and we will free your ship for you. And the alien says, if only you mean it, if only I can believe you. And what does Cap say? Captain America does not lie. Yep. Love it. Love That's, it. That's it. right oh. then and there. He's pointing out that he is a man of ethics and morals and uh, he's he's he doesn't lie right so so the alien uh, restores the the statues back into the the avengers um and next thing you know submariner he's 
he's he's on a mission, right? He wants to go and and uh, and, and attack the Avengers. Um, <clears throat> but before that, so the Avengers, you know, good to their word. Uh, they go find the ship, and they're trying to restore the ship. Um, they they help the alien and uh, get the ship. And so now he has he has uh, he has to repair it. But at least it's it's now no longer stuck in the Earth's crevice. And so next thing you know, Submariner shows up and he attacks the Avengers. But this time he's got an army with him, right? So as he uh, attacks the Avengers, uh, Cap and Giant Man fall into the ocean. And then there's this couple of pages of uh, battle scene between Submariner and the Avengers. So he, first he's battling Iron Man, then he's battling Thor. And so it's, um, you know, well, we're, we're, we're here to talk about Captain America. So we won't get into all of those. But uh, a few pages later, we, we do see Cap and he's, he's um, watching the fight. Because again, you know, he's new to all these people. So he's not really sure everything going on, but he does, he does, he says, I know so little about this new crop of costume fighters. My best bet is to watch them in action, see how powerful they really are. Their courage is undeniable. Even the Submariner is a fearless foe. If there, if there had been such men in my day, what epic battles we might have fought. So yeah, he's not remembering Submariner at this point. He's again watching. Next thing you know, Submariner brings out Rick Jones, who is a cap, uh, captive, right? And, but, but hey, that's like, that's like his cap's trigger point, right? Like, it's like, no, no, we're not having a Bucky all over again. The lad's in danger. This I will not tolerate. So he, out of nowhere, uh, comes from behind Submariner and gets Rick Jones free. And um, the Submariner says, another one, but who? So he, uh, he doesn't recognize him, right? And then all of a sudden, the, uh, the island starts to erupt. Submariner feels he won. Him and his army leave. But it really wasn't uh, the island erupting. It was the alien's spaceship um, fixed and, and leaving. So um, the, the Avengers, you know, uh, managed to get by this, this fight. And um, at this point, uh, they, they make an offer. They make an offer to Captain America to, to join the Avengers. And uh, we, uh, uh, and, and the caption says, thus, we are privileged to witness a momentous moment in the annals of high adventure. We welcome you, Captain America, to the ranks of the Avengers. And then it ends with Rick Jones, who says, um, you know, talk, thinking about the Hulk, he thinks the Hulk will come back someday. And when he finds out that Captain America has replaced him, will anything be able to stop him then? And then it ends with, but nothing in life is certain, and we must take the good and the bad as fate deals them out. One thing is certain, though. Next issue of the Avengers will have more superheroes, supervillains, and super thrills, just as you want them. And that is the momentous issue uh, that the editors told us that we need to save. Uh, and uh, it was fun. It was fun going through that issue again and rereading it. Yeah, and you know the repercussions of that issue. I mean, what it meant for uh, Marvel going forth just can't be underestimated, right? Because Cap eventually takes over leadership of uh, of the Avengers, and that's uh, if you if you recall earlier on in the story, Rick says, "Oh my God, this guy, he uh, he's used to being obeyed and fast, right? I mean, this guy exudes leadership, right? He's a natural born leader." And as you've mentioned in uh, last podcast, a strategician and a tactician as well. So he is he is perfectly suited to uh, to take up the mantle of leadership. Well, what's yep. really interesting here is uh, you know they made a fateful decision uh, regarding Bucky, right? Because although they they retcon uh, Captain America, Steve Rogers, but they also made a fateful decision with uh, with Bucky Barnes and one that would go down as the Bucky rule, right? Two guys that, uh, that are never coming back, Bucky and Uncle Ben, because right. uh, their deaths are so central to the mythos of, of, of the respective characters. But then this last panel, you know, uh, and what, what, it's interesting because Stan Lee had, has said that, uh, that he was not a fan of teenage sidekicks, right? And mm -hmm. that's one of, the, one of the decision points about why Bucky wasn't uh, wasn't coming back, and Bucky was retconned as uh, as dying in that crash. 
But in that uh, second to last panel, Rick Jones says he's the greatest guy I ever met. And I could tell he wants me to be his partner. So mm -hmm. already, you know, there's a little bit of an inkling that, that Rick is going to, uh, you know, pick up where Bucky left off, at least for a short time. Yeah, you know, and it really was a monumental issue on in, in so many levels, right? Because not only did they bring back this classic character and, and pay an homage to what came before, right? They, they acknowledged Jack Kirby and Stan Lee's work. They, uh, through the storytelling, uh, mentioned many characters that were just in all of him. Uh, so there was a lot of, of referencing what came before. But at the same time, they retconned the fact that, well, Steve, you know, this happened in 1945. So what, what happened, you know, those, those other eight years or so, uh, nine years of, of, of Cap Story. So um, that will be part of an interesting conversation that we can have uh, throughout this podcast, you know, when, when other stories come up, we can. Okay, so up next, we have our guest joining the show, Jesse Simon. If that name sounds familiar, uh, it's because he's the grandson of Joe Simon, who is the uh, creator, co-creator with Jack Kirby of uh, Captain America. So we're, we're pretty excited to talk with him. Um, he's going to let us know uh, a little bit about his stories with his grandfather and also um, talk about his love and affection for the golden age of Captain America comics. So looking forward to, to talking with Jesse next. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Okay, so we'd like to welcome to the show uh, Jesse Simon. Jesse, um, so Joe Simon, back 1940, 80 years ago this month, uh, created Captain America. He had a um, uh, did the actual sketch of the character um, and, and laid out his character, uh, his, his costume, and uh, described him. Uh, then he went on to um, uh, write and pen, uh, he did layouts of the, the very first Captain America comics number one. So um, we all have Joe Simon to thank for this, this character that we all know and love. Uh, what, what is your relation to, to Joe Simon? Well, Joe was my grandfather and um, I was the youngest of eight grandchildren. And so growing up around Joe, you know, I saw Captain America everywhere and Joe was very proud of his character, paintings on the walls and everything. And um, yeah, Joe was just very proud of his character, Captain America, from the start. You know, um, you had mentioned the concept art of Captain America, which still is in existence today. It's in the Library of Congress. Um, that piece he kept all the way from 19... Well, Captain America hit the stands December of 1940. So that piece was probably drawn late 39, early 40s, 1940. Um, so he, that character was always very close to him and he kept that piece for decades. With, with being the youngest of eight grand, grandchildren, right? Uh, and, and Joe passed away at the age of 98 um, in December of, of 2011. So it's, it's been nine years. So you were pretty young at the time. Did you, did you get many opportunities to, to spend time with him? Oh yeah, you know, um, I was, I frequently visited him in the city. Uh, my father would bring me, well, my father and mother would bring me to go see him, check on him, see how he's doing. And we would just have what I call these lazy Saturdays where we would just sit around, watch TV, um, usually eat ice cream. He always had, he always made sure that, um, that there was ice cream in the fridge for me because I love this, um, this type of, I think it was a haagen popsicle. Um, mm -hmm. And it was, you know, chocolate coverings with the vanilla. And every time I'd go, I'd run to the freezer and I'd get one of those. And, um, and then I'd bring him one. So we would eat them together, watch. He loved college football. No, college 
<clears throat> college basketball he actually really liked because um, I, I think it reminded him of his youth. Um, but yeah, that's – and what I do is his drawing table always had markers, pens, brushes, paint everywhere. And I used to he, – he had a very special pile for me, which was just a stack of papers. And, it, you know, it, w- it wasn't printer paper. It was good quality paper, drawing paper, you know, a little too small for what he was drawing because he was drawing recreations and much larger pieces of work. But um, in that stack, he had that paper reserved for me. And I would just go there, sit in his chair, and just start drawing with the Sharpies. I remember that very vividly. And um, he, he had this very nice view from his um, next to his drawing table. And... So, so he would sit in his recliner, which he loved, and that was directly in the center of the room. So he could watch his TV and see his art table at the same time. And that's what I would really do um, besides attending conventions with him. You know, I did attend, I would say, close to eight conventions with him um, throughout mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. The earlier ones when I was three, four, that I no recollection of. There were other times that I went with him and, you know, seeing the line of people just waiting to meet him and being so excited when they did just to say thank you. Um, you know, that, that was pretty unique. And at that time, I didn't really think anything of it. But now that I grew up, you know, I kind of realized not everyone's grandfather was like that. And um, when I was that age, I just thought, you know, everyone's grand, well, it didn't even come across my mind that why does my grandfather have artwork on his walls and why does he draw all the time? Never really thought of it that way. But um, yeah, going back to me drawing on his table, you know, I would show him my artwork and I have a few photos of me showing him my artwork and he would always give me pointers, you know, telling me how this should be in relation to this. And um, I would draw my family, you know, in like the classic um, box figures. He told me not to draw stick figures. So I would do the box figures. And um, I remember once very vividly that I drew mountains and I drew one up close and it was really large and I drew one in the back. So I made the mountain really small and he was very impressed. He said, you know, that's perception. And uh, he was very impressed by that. And a few, few pieces of my artwork, he signed on the top saying, you know, Jesse Simon's my grandson and I'm endorsing him. You know, (laughs) it was more of a, it was more of a, it was more of a joke, but he was, he was very proud. And uh, I was just happy to make him proud. Did you ever draw uh, Captain America or any of his characters that, you know, he's done so many characters. I mean, obviously Captain America is the one everybody knows, right? But, you know, there was the Fighting American, there were Boy Commandos, the Newsboy Leads. I mean, he he Mm -hmm. was, you know, involved with so many different uh, creators, sorry, uh, creations. Um, Did you ever draw any of those? and, And what was his reaction? Oh, yeah. Um, There's one of them I drew Captain America. You know, in school, I would draw Captain America, too, you know, during art project days. And I remember in second grade, Joe was still alive. This was about 2010, maybe uh, 2009. Um, We had, I think every Wednesday was art day. And it was basically the whole day was dedicated to art, you know, my favorite day. And I remember my teacher wanting my grandfather to come in and talk to the kids and stuff like that. But um, yeah, even in school, I would draw Captain America at his place. I would draw Captain America with a shield. And, you know, uh, I tried the best I could. But, you know, looking back at it now, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, it could have been a lot worse. That's, uh, that's how I think about it. But, um, yeah, I would draw Captain America. I don't remember drawing any of his other characters, but Captain America and Bucky. And I used to refer to myself as, um, as Bucky, which is another one of his creations, because I think maybe he even told me that I'm Bucky or he views me as Bucky, something like that. But um, yeah, I, I do remember drawing Captain America. So when you, when you drew Cap's shield, right? I know Joe mm-hmm. was particular about people drawing the shield. Do you want to share mm-hmm. that a little bit? Yeah. Um, every time, you know, um, that Joe drew the shield, he always made sure that the image was towards the reader. He hated when you saw the back of the shield because it's just two straps. And who really wants to see that? He says that the image of the shield has to be towards the reader. I mean, Joe later in life went into um, advertising. Um, he did a lot of advertising work. And so part of that is when you reach the audience, and even this in comics, before he did comics, he did a newspaper. 
And so you, you got to grab the reader's attention. And so he said, because the shield is a symbol. So you have to show it to the reader. You don't, the reader doesn't want to see the back of the shield. So he would always make sure that the shield was towards the reader. Yeah. A, uh, I mean, that's, that's really great stuff, Jesse. And, you know, I've been, uh, you are, uh, you really have uh, picked up the torch for your granddad's legacy and uh, preserving it. And I've seen your contributions in a lot of the, uh, the Golden Age Facebook groups. And of course, you started the, I believe, the Joe Simon Appreciation Facebook group. And, and you contribute a lot on the Captain America comic uh, fans Facebook group as well. Um, but I, I, is, your, is your interest in, uh, in Cap uh, strictly limited to, uh, to the Golden Age contributions of, uh, of Joe and, and his partner Jack um, and some of the uh, creative teams that came after him? Or have you, uh, have you paid attention to what happened after, after the Golden Age uh, passed by and we moved into the Silver Age? Have you kind of kept tabs on Cap throughout the years? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say this. Um when I started collecting comics, I never thought I could afford the golden age stuff, which my grandfather worked on. You know, Joe worked on issues one through 10 with Jack. That's all they did in the golden age. And I never thought that I would own them in the next decade. I thought, you know, I would have to win the lottery in order to afford even one of them. So what I did was instead of collecting Joe stuff, I said, you know what, let me at least collect the silver age um, Captain America issues. So I have read it a good amount of those and they're very nice you know uh, Jack Kirby and Sid Shores they've teamed up again in the Silver Age um, Captain America issues uh, 103 I believe is a um, Kirby and Shores cover which that one you know had the Red Skull looming over Captain America and I always like that kind of stuff um, growing up though a lot of the artwork surrounding was Golden Age styled um, the artwork the figures the posing the storytelling and Joe had a lot of um, trade paperbacks. I never s- saw his comic collection in person. You know, he never brought comics out to show me. Now, I may have been in the room when they were out, when he was doing something with, um, in terms of the press, maybe, but I don't remember that. But what I do remember is him having trade paperbacks. And he even gave me Captain America 1 through 10 trade paperbacks, which he signed for me. He gave me a copy signed, and he gave one that it wasn't signed. And I still have those to this day. But so growing up around that kind of style, I was always drawn towards the golden age. And um, I would say it's very hard to keep up with, it's very hard to be Captain America fan and not be kept up with everything that he's gone through. You know, watching the movies, you see how Bucky evolved from Bucky to Winter Soldier. Even if you don't read the comics, you've kind of seen what has happened to him. And, you know, all of that originated in comics. So um, to directly answer your question, yeah, I have kept up. I've read majority of the Silver Age issues, the Tales of Suspense, the Captain America, um, Capping and the Avengers, and it's great, as well as the Golden Age stuff with Joe and Jack for the first 10 issues, and then you had Sid Short and Al Abison for the later issues, and you know we can't forget the Schomburg covers. Those are always great to look at in the war stuff. Right. So you know, it, it's been amazing to see how much he's changed from – the wartime to now and, you know, him in Vietnam and then the nineties, then winter soldier and all this and his story really progress. So, so you mentioned, you mentioned the movie, right? So the first movie, which was uh, with Chris Evans and it was the, uh, the first Avenger, which took place during world war two. Uh, great movie. Um, I, I know you, you had an opportunity to, to watch, watch that movie with, Joe, right? Uh, what was mm-hmm. what was Joe's reaction to to seeing uh, his creation played by Chris Evans on the big screen? Well, that day was we saw it in Times Square. Joe lived in Manhattan, so the screening was in Times Square. It was an advanced screening, and I remember going after school. Um, it was maybe about five six p.m., and I believe it was a Thursday too. And so there, it was a very fancy theater. And we went into a small theater room from what I remember. It was a pretty small room. I remember the room and it was pretty small and it was a Thursday and I wanted to watch the movie with Joe and my father had said, no, you know, he's coming a different day because at the age of, um, he was 97 at the time, turning 98 that year in a few months, you know, they kind of got to 
work around him. So um, it was a Thursday and I, I really wanted to watch it with Joe. My father said, no, he's coming on a Tuesday. And I heard a commotion going on towards the door. You know, this was a few minutes before the movie was about to start. And in walks my grandfather. Um, and so I was very surprised. And so I, t- I tell my dad, you know, you know, Joe's here, Joe's here. And he said, no, he's coming. You know, he's trying to tell me again that he already told me. But he looks back and even he was surprised. He didn't know that Joe was coming that day. So, you know, immediately I ran up to him. I left my parents and um, he was sitting on the aisle seat in the very back row. And so I, so then um, he knew I wanted to sit next to him. So he moved the seat that was supposed to be next to him. And I sat there and we watched the movie together the whole time, you know, being seven and watching a, it was a PG-13 movie. So it was a little, little new to me. Um, I, I honestly, I don't even, I probably didn't know why I was there. Um, but to watch a movie. And so I didn't know what the movie was going to hold. So I watched the movie with him the whole time because there was one armrest. I had my little arm on there and he put his hand over mine. So he was holding my hand the whole time. And so we watched the movie. Um, I know he really liked that um, transformation scene between uh, Steve Rogers and when he goes from the small guy to the big guy. You know, he, he was very impressed with the technology and how they could do that. And um the other part that I really, really remember was the Red Skull when he went from Johann Schmidt and he took off his mask. And um, by then, Joe was kind of falling asleep a little bit because this was now it was getting a little late. Now it's probably you know, it was kind of 8 p.m. Sure. And, um, you know, but he was, he was nodding off a little. And I remember because they, they had that little fight on the bridge. And I remember he was kind of at his neck, you know, pulling at something. So then I moved my arm, you know, to wake Joe. And when, so Joe woke up and he started seeing that they pulled the mask off to reveal the red skull and his eyes widened like no other. He was so impressed by the makeup because, you know, he saw the 1990 version of Captain America with the red skull and it looked like the thing painted red. He Mm -hmm. saw that he wasn't impressed. He wasn't happy with it. And he saw it and he was so amazed how they were able to bring his creation to life, seeing the Red Skull look dangerous, but also human. You know, he, he looked like a regular person as well. He looked like as if a person had his face melted off. And so he was so in shock about that. And, you know, then the rest of the movie, he was so energized and he, he had energy. He was watching Captain America storm the Hydra base and he loved it. And, um, he thought Chris Evans was just perfect as Steve Rogers, as Captain America, mm-hmm. when he was uh, skinny and when he turned into Cap, he thought he just, he thought that he was great. He looked like what Steve Rogers would look like, and he acted you know the way Steve Rogers would. So, he, he yeah he was very happy with that casting and the Red Skull. He he really and um, even um, Bucky Barnes he was very happy with Sebastian Stan and his performance. You know, uh, over the years. Um you have been really working hard to preserve your grandfather's legacy, Jesse. I mean, you've, uh, you, as I mentioned earlier, you created the uh, Joe Simon Appreciation Facebook page, I think back in 2018. And uh, recently you've been offering uh, signed prints as well as your own recreations of some of his better known work. I mean, what, what motivates you to put that level of commitment into it? I mean, I, I realize, uh, I mean, it must feel amazing that your grandfather has, uh, his work has inspired and motivated so many so many children over the course of many generations and adults as well, um, me being one of them, but really what, what drives you? Well, you know, I got to see Joe for about eight years. And I always say when you're at that age, you kind of, you kind of, you remember stuff, but you don't remember everything. And you feel almost as if you've been cut short of what you deserve. And uh, I always felt, you know, I always say, I wish I got to so see Joe longer. Um, I always wish that he got to see Captain America too. And if he did, then I wanted him to be around to see Captain America three. And I just, I never wanted him to go. And so many people that knew him wanted the exact same thing. Now, no one lives forever. So, you know, let's, let's bring us back to reality. Um, but going to conventions with him, seeing that long line of fans that he had 
And seeing even when he passed, you know, I, I went back to convention. I didn't go back right away because I was still relatively young. My father, when he goes, he has all the memories of Joe and he gets kind of sad by it. And, um, but even when I started going back by myself and, you know, I, I attend regularly now in the New York convention, um, I see so many people wearing Captain America shirts. I see Captain America movies and the people that go and watch it three, four, five times. And I see people on the internet saying how they embody Steve Rogers, how they want to be like him, how they are really setting themselves to be a better person like Captain America. And that truly is special. You know, you see, I guess the thing when we all go is we want to be remembered for something good. And when Joe is gone, his creation is still doing so much. It's impacting the lives of so many people and it's really touching the lives of so many people. You know, little kids love Captain America here and there and they have been for decades and adults love Captain America. And so to see someone's creation, especially my grandfather, someone so close to me and his work be appreciated so much, I just want to make sure that they remember who was responsible. And just that way, you know, I see so many people loving Jack Kirby and, and all the work that he's done and Stanley as well. And they should be remembered for what they've done as it's truly phenomenal. And so we have to make sure that we remember all the people that are responsible for our happiness, including Joe and other creators. Well said. And, and, you know, I think we as Captain America fans truly do acknowledge and appreciate uh, Joe Simon's creation and his work and his legacy. And I think, you know, it's, it's great that, you know, as, as his grandson that you are uh, continuing to, to try to, um, uh, I guess, encourage and, and remind people of that legacy. I was at, I was at a comic convention. And I was online to talk with Stranko um, regarding some, some things that he had said. And a fan came up to me and he, you know, Stranko had to work on Captain America and the Silver Age. And um, a fan came up, came up to me and he wanted to thank me for, you know, well, he wanted to thank Joe um, for mm -hmm. everything that he's done. And he said, Captain America means so much to him and how amazing it is. And I remember he asked to shake my hand and, you know, this memory I'll never forget. It's someone caring so much and appreciating it so much. And that's just, you know, it, it was really nice. And what it does, it, it makes you want to be remembered yourself. So knowing, you know, Joe loved going to the convention. I remember the, his 98th birthday, they sang happy birthday to him at New York Comic Con when he was doing a panel and he was so happy by it. And so seeing the fans really acknowledge him and appreciate his work, just even when he's gone, you know, um, a fan coming up to me and appreciating Joe's work, it makes me want to do something with my life that makes me, um, what I'm trying to say is makes me basically want to do something to affect people so that way, even when I'm gone, they're going to still care and remember. I think everyone wants that too. Absolutely. Just wanted to say thank you very much uh, for joining the show. We had it was a pleasure talking with you and, and reliving some some memories uh, of your your grandfather Joe, and um, you know maybe we'll see if uh, we can have you back sometime. So uh, in the meantime, if if anybody wants to uh, learn a little bit more about Joe Simon and uh, his creation, you can always go to the Joe Simon Appreciation Facebook page and uh, and check it out check out more there. So uh, again, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us, Jesse. And, and uh, we look forward to talking to you uh, on the on the pages. Yeah, my pleasure. Okay, well, that will wrap up episode two for Captain America comic book fans podcast. Uh, Bob, I had a lot of fun talking about Strange Tales 114 Avengers 4 and interviewing Jesse Simon. I thought uh, it, was a, it was a good show. I did too. He's an impressive young man and he's, uh, he's doing a lot of great work uh, preserving his grandfather's legacy. I think, uh, you know, a lot of Cap fans in the future are going to owe a debt of gratitude to, uh, to his work and uh, his commitment. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun. So next episode, we're going to get back to covering some comic books. I thought maybe this time we'd kind of jump forward and get to 1989 and the Mark Grunewald era specifically the bloodstone hunt.
Yeah, I you know I got to tell you that uh, that is a fan favorite, um, and a lot of folks uh, a lot of folks look at that as uh, as one of the you know the pinnacles of uh, of Gru's storytelling. And of course, as you I think you said, it's uh, Kieran Dwyer pencils, and he's a fabulous artist. Might might be one of the best on Cap. So uh, it's uh, it's going to be a good discussion. Yeah, I think he's a little underrated, Dwyer. I, I I enjoy his work. So we're gonna we're gonna cover issues three fifty seven through three sixty two, uh, which includes the introduction of Crossbone. So that'll be a lot of fun. All right. So uh, if you'd like to get in touch with Bob or I, uh, feel free to join us on our Facebook page, which is Captain America Comic Book Fans. You can look that up. Uh, Or you can go to our anchor page if you'd like to uh, subscribe or leave a message and maybe we'll play it in an upcoming episode. Uh, Please do subscribe on your favorite uh, podcast platforms. Leave a review uh, so that... um, uh, we, we always love hearing feedback from, from the listeners. So until then, uh, we look forward to, to talking to you. Have a, have a great one.